safest, cool, and be killed by a shot in the head or a heavy blow to the skull. It has been established that persons who have recently died have been returning to life and committing acts of murder. It has been established that persons who have recently died have been returning to life and committing acts of murder. this far north, you're running away from something. I'm running away from myself, I guess. Hi. You can hear me. You're magic. Like me. I don't know about magic. I was called it The Shining. This is Nissen. I'm joined by Buck and Driz today. Uh, we are H for Horror, and this is our second episode. Woohoo! <laughs> yes! Um, so today we are going to be doing a review um, and briefly chatting about Dr. Sleep. Um, it's the new Stephen King uh, film that's just come out. Uh, it's the sequel to The Shining. Guys, how's everyone going? Yeah, good. Yeah, I, um, we just saw Dr. Sleep recently, Driz and I, so... Yeah. yeah, we're a bit late on the bandwagon. Like, there was literally, like, three or four other people in the cinema. And a kid's slide. I don't know if you saw that on our social, but that was pretty sick. We tried to have a ride, but, yeah, it was all locked up, so no fun. <laughs> but, um, no, we got, like, pretty much an empty cinema. So, 
really to wash that in so that was sick yeah what do you think Drees? yeah dr sleep was amazing and to watch it in the cinemas was really good the slide was a little bit distracting but <laughs> yeah popcorn was good too <laughs> yeah Fuck yeah right on yeah i can honestly say I, I unfortunately i couldn't make it with you guys i watched it a little bit uh, yeah, I did. I did. Saw it. Yeah, I'd already seen it and just couldn't make it for that that screening. So, uh, next time though. Next no, time. that's for all sure. right, man. Hey, Nis, don't forget, this is the A plus student. So uh, I don't know about it. He'll see it once, twice, three times, and we'll struggle to see it once. So this guy knows his stuff. Oh uh, yes. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> very embarrassing. I can't see the red shirt. He's, he's blushing. Um, he's wearing a Simpsons <laughs> themed Christmas shirt at the moment. <laughs> And uh, he's rocking that thing like you wouldn't Thanks. believe. I've only got another few days before the government strips me off my shirt and I'm no longer allowed to wear it until <laughs> So I'm going to get as much, uh, as much Christmas wear out of it as possible. Bit of a background, this is a, a Simpsons buff as well. So <laughs> it really fits, um, fits his character, that shirt. I like it, man. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, yeah. Thank you very much. I like it. All right. Let's just get into the nitty-gritty of uh, the Doctor Sleep. This film was great. Uh, the director, Michael Flanagan, yep. or Mike Flanagan, sorry. Um, he directed other films, Haunting of Hill House, that TV series on TV. Netflix. Yeah. Uh, he'd also done another Stephen King uh, adaptation called Gerald's Game. Uh, he'd done Hush, which is this great little slasher flick. And he'd also done Ouija, uh, The Origins of Evil. Another yeah. another couple that I've got written down to mention was Before I Wake and Absentia. Is that how you say it? Absentia. Absentia. I, I, I haven't heard of that one, no. But no. that um that uh the first like the first film or short film was actually Oculus in two thousand and five, which later uh interestingly became um a feature film in two thousand thirteen. So that was his introduction to horror was uh yeah oculus mm. which i'm yet to see i just observed so. uh nissi with the ones that you mentioned um these are all on netflix so if you if you want to watch any of them <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah they are actually all on netflix aren't they <laughs> and i gotta say uh gerald's game kind of adventurous uh sex games turned wrong um, yeah i've seen the start of that film and that's all i've seen so from uh, oh hang on we've got my dog walking in now this is this is good this is good podcasting <laughs> thanks Nissy N- hey she's uh, putting up a fight oh no Jimmy's in now <laughs> hang on I'm gonna go help Nissy get the dogs out so come on, Jimmy. Out, come on, out, 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 out. <laughs> yes, Drew's with the horror noises. That's, that's filling in time. That's quality, quality content. All right, the dogs yeah. are out, guys. Oh, he's put the backpack dog. against the door. Yeah, so. we baby trap the door. It's all good. But um, yeah, so yeah, all available on Netflix, which um, we're so not Nisi, sponsored what's, by. What's uh, Doctor Sleep about? Uh, if you haven't watched it. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um. So, uh, the film. Uh, it's a sequel to The Shining. Um. It takes place a couple months afterwards, um, after the events of The Shining, and then kind of goes further in maybe 20 years or so to when you see Danny Torrance as a grown-up. Yeah. um, Trying to sort of deal with his past and um, while doing that also protect a young girl who has similar powers to him from these vampire-type people called the True Knot. Um, 
All the magical people. All the magical that's what, people. That's what I had noted down. Gypsies. <laughs> or gypsy vampires. Yeah, we yeah. didn't quite know what to call them, so we were just making up our own stuff, but this has got the answers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, it's pretty much kind of like that story of, um, you know, coming to terms with your past, I don't know, sort of taking what you've been given, those powers, and putting them to some good use. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's very much got this sort of thriller, horror, um, there's a bit of action in it as well, um, but for the most part, like, it's just a good, solid, I was captivated, I didn't know which way it was going to go, um, to be honest, during the film, so, yeah, like, yeah. It's good when you don't know where it's going to go as well, because so many films you kind of go, yeah, I know the ending of this, but it's, it's one of those really good films great concepts and yeah you just don't know where it's going with it yeah i felt very uh felt it was a very original concept yes um i think that's why i didn't feel the need to look at my phone or <laughs> run off to the bathroom if i didn't have to um i, I really <laughs> wanted to sit there and definitely you know get into it yeah i, I feel the same i had a a moment where i had to pee but i hold on yeah same. <laughs> you don't want to miss especially if you're doing a review and you're going to chat you obviously don't want to miss anything but yeah i, I was the same it kept you in your seat so uh, no, great film. Um, yeah, just that, pre like that was pretty brutal seeing that present day. Um, you know, with da with Danny, when it flashes to New Jersey, um, two thousand eleven, it has that same um, like the little headings as The Shining as well. It sort of takes that and adapts that into uh, into Doctor Sleep, which was kind of cool because it gives you that you know context of each place and time. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it's kind of crazy just to see him in that state. Like, you know, it's, it's the film sort of delves into a bit of, you know, that alcoholism, um, post-traumatic stress. Um, and yeah, that's definitely evident by the way that Danny's portrayed at the start. I mean, that scene with that, you know, he wakes up naked next to that chick and she's fucking vomited. And then like he goes out and, you know, he's going to take her money or whatever. And then, you know, the kid comes out in a fucking nappy it's just like yeah it's pretty in your face and and down and dirty brutal mm. like danny's in a bad place you know mm. um but uh yeah so i don't know where i was actually going with all that but yeah that was sort of what you presented with at the start anyway it's just that gives you that you know that feel of where danny's at in his mm. life in the current time uh, current you know times and um yeah paints that picture so. yeah um yeah i i agree uh, there's that quite a broken individual yeah um yeah very lost um like you can see how the past has really affected him yeah. um and i think it's very real as well like i i don't imagine someone having witnessed and being part of that and having having it what happened in the first film or The Shining with the Overlook Hotel wouldn't have some sort of impact on you as you grow up. Yeah. And I think it's quite evident that um, he's become quite like his dad in, mm. in some ways. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, his dad was an alcoholic, uh, angry, aggressive, like... He, yeah, you subconsciously yeah. he's just picked up a lot of that kind of negative energy. Um, Absolutely. And yeah, he just comes across as a very lost individual. Um, at the beginning of the film. So. They show that, like him brawling in the pub and stuff, you know, just punching on and then getting knocked out. And yeah, it's yeah, he's a lot like his dad, old Jack, so, yeah. which is a bit sad. But um, 
Yeah, what's... Mm. what's... Grizzy, you look like you had something to say. I do. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Are we getting straight into this? Yeah. Yeah, I suppose. Um, okay, so okay. I loved how it started with the same music Ooh, as yeah. The Shining. So it was so like... So it did. In the cinema, it was like <laughs> <laughs> full on. And um, the camera angles, I, I just think the camera was so clean and yeah. um, just coming in like, I think it was like a drone or something um, when it was in Florida, 1980. So, um, and then was that little girl. Um, by the way, oh, Violet. Yeah, Violet, little yeah. Violet, that little was Violet. Name. And um, yeah, I reckon Rosie, the Gypsy vampire lady. Yeah, old Rose the Hat. Don't you reckon she looked like the lead singer out of Four Non Blondes? <laughs> oh, uh, holy fuck. Don't you mention, I was about to say, I thought she looked a bit like Stevie Nicks from uh, Fleetwood oh Mac with the, oh, yes. with the hat. It's like... Had that feel, but definitely had I can, that feel. I can totally see that Four Non Blondes, <laughs> what's, what's going on vibe, you know, like, yeah. 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 What's going on? <laughs> And I say, I'm going to suck you so. But, oh, just the way in that first um, sort of scene, it, she reminded <laughs> me of um, Pennywise when she was like luring George. Yeah. Like, real, like creepy and weird and all of the friends like appeared. And I just, I was like, that was the first scene. So it was the first impression of this mm, film. That's interesting. Um, and then I was like, I was scared for that little girl. And then I was like, what the fuck when she ate the flower? <laughs> yeah, that's when it starts to take a turn, and yeah. then everyone's yeah. fucking shifting in closer and closer. Yeah, I get that. And then yeah. that's when I was like, "Look, I honestly don't know where this film's going." So that intrigued me for the yeah. rest of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I totally agree. Like, uh, <laughs> there was uh, through you right into it. Like, all of a sudden, you know who the main, or you have an idea of who the main protagonist is. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Um, and they don't hold back at all. Like, it's. You know, it's right in your face. It's there. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's very sinister, and before you know it, like it's already done. The scene's over, but at the same time, there's that kind of shock value to it as well. Like, oh my god, did I just? Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really dug that. Yeah. I really dug that scene. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Um, and just just the themes and the colours and the patterns were very much like The Shining. Um, they've, they've used the Steadicam again as well, which was great. Um, oh, that's Danny at the. That was at the start, wasn't it? When he's peddling around. I was trying to work out whether that was the original, like they'd taken the original footage until you obviously saw his face and you're like, oh, hang on, it's another, it's a different kid. When I saw um, Danny, the child, for the first time in Doctor Sleep, I actually thought he looked like a good guy's doll. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Man, this touches on this? a few other films, yeah. <laughs> Holy but shit, yes, and, yeah. you know, room 237 appears again, so that was, that was good. Yeah, no, there's a few nostalgia hits in this mm. film, for sure, obviously. Yeah, being connected with The Shining, but... Uh, so before we go any further, uh, we'll just go quickly go back to uh, Mike Flanagan. Um, as we briefly mentioned before, he had done um, a number of other horror films, uh, plus a few other Stephen King novels, uh, and adapted them into film. Um, Matt, you'd recently watched some... Uh, interviews with Mike before he got into uh, creating the Doctor Sleep. Um, yeah, go in for it, man. Yeah, so there's a couple of interviews I watched. One was from Film 4 Interview. It was both on YouTube. They might have been on TV, I'm not sure. But yeah, Film 4 Interview and also Fox 5 DC. Uh, but in Film 4, um, 
the interviewer basically asked Mike Flanagan, like, you know, with a Stephen King film, um, how do you stay true to that sort of the feel and, and the relatableness, I suppose, of, of um, Stephen King's books? And um, I basically had written down and quoted uh, Mike Flanagan. He just said, look, the best way to adapt Stephen King is to never lose sight of his humanism. Um, so he was sort of saying, you know, a lot of films, they just hold on to, you know, the skit, like simply the scares, the monsters, the blood, the death. Um, but if you can stay um, real and relatable like Stephen King does in his stories, and you sort of focus on those you know, human failings and, and all that side of um, things, or you lean into the humanism, um, it gives the viewer something to hold on to. Um, that's very, it can be very real to you instead of just, you know, the monster and the blood. Um, and yeah, I've just written down here as well, like it, it stuck with me. He just said, look, Stephen King is that empathetic voice telling stories in a dark world. And it's, yeah, it's very true. So, um, yeah, to note as well, he also said in that interview that he first saw The Shining um, in fifth grade when he was 10 and he was at a mate's house and they weren't supposed to be up and they were also little rebels and they were up and his mate had um, basically recorded uh, The Shining on VHS off a cable network and um, they watched that film and he was just like basically saying like I shouldn't like we should not have been watching it we were too young and um, yeah, he said in the interview, he just said, look, I was nauseated by how afraid I was. Um, it borrowed it burrowed into my head in such a way I wouldn't look at horror films for years after that. So that scared the fuck out of him, which is kind of really like, it's cool to hear someone opening up like that. Like Mike seems like a real, um, yeah, down to earth sort of guy. Um, so his idea was to, he stopped watching horror films, but it still intrigued him. So he started reading Stephen King books uh, as he thought it'd be less scary. And it turned out that it was the complete opposite. Um, and it was even worse because it, yeah, it was just completely <laughs> all in his head. And um, yeah, it sort of fucked him up probably more so, but kept him interested obviously in that horror genre. So yeah, that was really cool to hear him um, open up also just quickly with the fox 5 dc interview um the guy on that interview which i, I can't remember the host's name but he was sort of quizzing him more on like shots certain sequences in the film um and surprisingly enough he actually did use two of stanley kubrick's um sequences from the original shining so and he was he was going to get the interviewer to sort of pick which ones we said look, we'll cut them cut the shit and tell you because it's going to take too long but amazingly the the um the may scenes were they shot that themselves so that's all them that's all original but basically the the opening scenes from the showing when they're zooming into the island and going mm. over the canyon that was from the original and they just added like they made it darker and added snow mm. to fit in with the, the time okay and also the car driving up the mountain was the original footage from The Shining, but they basically just made the car, you know, Danny's car, like that they were driving in at the time. Mm. And also, yeah, again, made it darker with snow. So that was really cool. Like everything else in that film is um, is all Mike Flanagan and, and their team. It's not 
it's not taken from even the, the elevator scene with the blood that was um that sequence was remade digitally because they, he said he wanted to match the fluidity of Kubrick's classic you know scene with the blood mm, but they mm. just couldn't do it um couldn't do it the same way and match it and also because it was coming from Rose's point of view because she was standing further back which I don't know you I didn't really twig, you know, watching it, but because she's seeing it, they had to have it come from further back in the hotel and, yeah, which changed things a little bit too. And they reckon they spent months trying to match the same, mm. like, way in which the blood runs up the walls and, mm. and down the hallway. But, yeah, two little tiny sequences in that whole film are from The Shining and the rest is is um, is Mike. So mm. he did a mad job mm. with, like... Blown me away to hear that he recreated as much as he did. Mm, mm. So, yeah, anyway, that's a little um, back thing. Just quickly, I had to mention Mike uh, is actually married to Kate Siegel, actress. Who's Kate Siegel? Oh, I don't know her too well. She actually has starred in Oculus, Hush, Gerald's Game, and Ouija Origin Evil. So, she's mm. actually been in. She's the main so, lead actress, maybe. I not too. I didn't look too deep into it because obviously, like it's just a side note. Yeah, but yeah. um, she so she's been in a few of the films that Mike's directed and been involved with. So yeah. he hasn't been a direct, He's been an editor in one or whatever. But she's been involved, and I had to mention, as I was looking through her filmography, she has starred in a little clip. Uh, it's called "Puke in My Mouth." which was a lady's response to the hit music video Jizz in My Pants by the uh, the Lonely Island crew. So I had to mention it and I watched it. It was pretty, it was pretty shocking, but um, I thought that was funny <laughs> that that was in her filmography, Puke in My Mouth. So. Uh, she is the lead actress for Gerald's Game. There you go. Yeah. Jizz, just check that one out there. So, yeah, but... Um, yeah, that's, that's all I have to say about Mike. But yeah, cool guy. Yeah, that's um, I think that's really cool that uh, he took so much time and effort to actually, you know, adapt a Stephen King novel that not only made it his own but sort of paid respects to the actual, yeah. you know, original story and novel and not try to make it too much of something else that you know he did his homework, which I think is really cool. So um, with Mark's experience as a as a child and his um, first horror. Um, what was yours, Matt? When you what, what made you get into um, horror? My earliest memories of the horror genre were when I was in primary school. I I picked out Chucky when I was at Video Easy or something like in the horror aisle. Like I shouldn't have probably been in that aisle, but I got Mum to hire it out for me, and I watched Chucky and uh, or Child's Play, and um, yeah, that scared the shit out of me. Like I had. Like I had nightmares, like where I was running away from Chucky and that whole, that whole thing. So, that was the earliest one. And then I know what you did last summer was like I know that was a lot, you know, down the track. But that was another one that sticks in my head from early sort of um, horror stuff that I'd seen. But yeah, Chucky's definitely the main one that I go back to as a kid. And yeah, really did scare me. What about you, Nissy? What are you? What's your earliest memories? Um, I have two two early horror films that stick in my mind from uh, when I was a kid. Uh, the first would be, I think it was a remake of The Blob. There was one scene in particular where uh, there's a there's teens in a in a car making out at you know make out point, 
And uh, <laughs> the guy goes for the boob grab. And um, as he leans over to fondle her boobs, the chest goes inwards and his hand just disappears into her body. And the next thing, the blob is crawling up his arm and he's screaming. And then I think it shoots out of her face and latches onto his face. Oh, and fine. I just remember that creeping me out. Like, yeah. it went from being like, you know, just two people making out to the next thing, like someone's being, you know, dissolved with blob fluid or whatever anyways yeah yeah so that one freaked me out and then um i was a little bit older when i saw it but i remember hearing all these really cool stories um you know people watching it and having to be institutionalized at uh um you know sleepover parties and stuff like that and my mom wouldn't get it out for me but um a babysitter got it out for me and it was uh scream and i remember watching scream for the first time with my sister who was a few years younger than me and we both had the doona on top of us and every time a scary scene was coming up she'd be like all right tell me when it's over and she'd pull up the blanket and i'd be like it's over but really it wasn't <laughs> over it was just beginning and uh freaked me out even more um but yeah i just I, I remember like you know opening scene with drew barrymore just coughing it real bad like yeah that was my first sort of into horror and since then like you know just every time a new horror film comes out i'm, I'm all over it if yeah. uh if there's stuff that's been come and gone and but I need to watch, like any recommendations, I always jump on them as well. So that was kind of my introduction into horror for me. Man, um, so what about you, Drews? Um, yeah, so when we were really little, so little I can't really remember, um, we were at my dad's best mate's place and, and my dad and his mate were watching horror movies and we got put to bed and we snuck out, we hid behind the couch and we were watching it. I just remember there was like a murder scene, um, it was really dark, the music was so intense, my heart was pounding, um, and then one of the scenes, one of us screamed, and that's when we got found out, maybe like, you know, half an hour into this film, um, so, yeah, but then other than that, that kind of got me into Goosebumps, um, and Drew's then we, we used to hound mum like, I want to watch these movies down the horror movie aisle, blockbuster, <laughs> and um, yeah, we, we ended up like convincing her to watch it. Um, yeah, so I had to sleep in my brother's room because I was way too scared (laughs) to sleep in my own room from that. Um, then from then on, you know, I had to pretend to act tough and so we could watch more horrors. And then from there, they just became so normal. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Man, both of you guys have got absolute classics. Like, Scream, The Blob, you know, all those, all those movies are just fucking. Child's Child Play is a pretty good film as well. Like, oh, yeah. I feel like it's a bit of a piss take in terms of horror. It's like a lighter one. Like, I think you guys definitely delved into a more. I actually got serious... over my fear of um, dummies and ventriloquist dummies um, because of Chucky. Because you were scared of Slappy, weren't you? From oh yeah, Goosebumps. Slappy from Goosebumps used to scare me. And I, <laughs> I watched Chucky, and Mum said, "Are you going to be okay to watch this?" And I said, "Yes." And I watched it and I was giggling and I just thought it was funny and it got, got over yeah. my ears. So there you That's go. Fun. Okay, Chucky's a character. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Chucky, man, helping everyone with PS, no, post-traumatic stress. <laughs> <laughs> One slash at a time. Just going back a little bit towards the beginning um, with uh, Just After Violet's Murdered um, by the True Knots, we cut to a young Danny who is still quite traumatised by the events of the Overlook hotel incident um he's not talking he's quite um reserved and just kind of not there at all um kind of got that haunted kind of feel to him um one day he meets dick holleran again at the pier 
uh, Dick Holleran teaches him this trick in order to help him deal with some of these hauntings that he keeps seeing. He creates these boxes, but for me, I didn't quite understand the concept of the box. But Triz, uh, you totally did, and you just uh, you totally uh, put it into perspective for me because I just had a big sort of oh my god that makes total sense now. Thank you. Just give us a brief sort of you know your interpretation of these boxes. So the the box kind of represents like a, a trap for trapping Danny's uh, inner demons uh, and locking them up and putting them away in the back of his mind. Lauren sort of gives him this advice, you know examine the box and, and picture the box and, and all your fears, you know, use your shining against them to trap them into your mind and then lock them away and put them in the back of your mind. And I think that's how he sort of did that to function, but also because he didn't address these issues, he put it in the back of his mind that he had issues of alcoholism and things like that. And he repeated what his dad mm, went through. Mm, so mm. yeah, that's what, how I interpreted the boxes. Mm, <laughs> yeah, That's what I was sort of thinking too, but just be wary when a stranger comes up to you in the park and gets you to, what was it? Smell his box. Smell, your Smell box. my box. Smell my box. <laughs> yeah, you go Touch the box. Get Danny to examine it, you know, like, Look inside my box, Danny. Yeah. I want you to really stroke my box. But you make a better box. And you lock those motherfuckers away. Lauren's a little bit of a father figure to Danny. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, he is. No, he definitely comes into Danny's life and he's like that positive consciousness to Danny. You know, like he's... You see, he's going to take the money from that mother, you know, the drugged out sort of fucked mum with her kid in his apartment he's gonna take the money he's like come on Danny like you can't do that and he just yeah you see him pop up from time to time and he's sort of just keeping Danny in line and on the right track. does have that sort of um father figure teacher all around good consciousness to, to Danny mm, mm. which is interesting help Danny out as much as he can whether or not Danny takes that advice <laughs> yeah. to him but um Teaching him to cope with his power when he doesn't really quite understand it himself, I think, yeah. Yeah, he's like that seasoned veteran of The Shining. And yeah. even though he's sort of passed and gone, he's, yeah, he's still going to stick around and make sure, like, you know, Danny's kind of like his burden in a way. Like, he's got to make sure that he does the right thing to sort of make himself, I think, Dick's feel like he's achieved what he needs to achieve. Yeah, it's a cool little element in the film that I think... Yeah, it helps it progress along the way. Just spoken about uh, young Danny and where he's at in life after the incidences from the first film. Um, we're also introduced to a new character called Abra, who is a small girl who sort of possesses the same sort of powers that uh, Danny has. Uh, it's a pretty cool little opening introduction, I reckon, <laughs> to you know this this girl who's going to become quite a pro- you know prolific character as the yeah. film progresses. I don't know. I liked her entrance. I thought it was a really cool badass kind of you know. What a way to come into a film. Driz, thoughts? Yeah, well, at first um, it was her birthday party and she had, there was a magic show. And I, I just, for a second there, I'm like, is your name Abra? Or is that the magic word? Abra Kadabra? Yeah, <laughs> And they yeah. were just shortening it because, you know, like everyone abbreviates everything. So I'm like, Abra. <laughs> <laughs> I thought she was a cute little girl. But at the start, like when you first see her, you're like, shut up, kid. Because she's like, I can do that. Oh, I can do yes, that. Yeah, and he's yeah. like, yes, kid. 
okay, okay, and he just goes along with it. And he's just hanging a spoon off his nose like anyone can sort of do that, yeah. <laughs> and then she proved him wrong. She's she like, could do it. <laughs> Bitch, please, I'll make a hundred spoons fucking levitate on the ceiling. That's yeah. it. She left all the other cutlery on the floor and all the spoons were sticking to the ceiling and using her, her powers for that. So her parents walk in and, yeah, that was... Pretty intense. Yeah. What do you think? Cool. Well, well, parents are like visibly freaked out. They don't know what's going on. Just, again, I don't, I don't even think she knows what's going on. Uh, doesn't seem like she can control anything that she does. Yeah. But she's using that telekinesis to, you know, yeah, put the spoons on the ceiling. And yeah, I just I just thought it was a really cool introduction. Like, just really badass. Like, just, <laughs> yeah. yeah well, you can put a spoon in your nose. Look what I can do. Like, I totally, <laughs> yeah. yeah, just... What an introduction, I thought. And it, it was somewhere where the spoons were on the roof that, because her powers would have been so powerful when she was using it, that I felt like um, it flashed to like um, Rose and Danny getting the vibes of that strength. So they, they did that. So it was kind of like this, you know, shining. I think that was where it was sort of coming into it, where her powers were growing and they could see this powerful child. Mm. And I think that's where we get a bit more of an idea that fuck this film is going to be more about this whole shining concept too. Like, I sort of went into Doctor Sleep thinking it was going to be a lot about the Overlook and Jack Torrance and the whole fan, like more just him going into that mm. whole zone and experiencing it again as an adult. But yeah, it was interesting. Like that's when you sort of get this. Oh fuck, hang on, where? seeing like these other people that can shine and if not like harder and brighter than Danny does like this is like the next generation of like you know a shiner who can really turn it up like she was making those spoons float around the ceiling without even like she wasn't even doing that freaky eye wobble thing she was sort of just like chilling like yeah check it out mum and dad like so you, you sort of get that hint as well from that saying that yeah fuck she's really a, a lot more powerful and not to be messed with so yeah. I like it yeah it was really cool uh, there was also a another powerful girl who was a 15 year old girl and her name was oh, yes. now Nissy you remember this uh, Snake Bite Andy um, <laughs> yes yeah, so uh, we also cut to another scene where the true nut have sort of running out of food a little bit and are trying to find new victims to absorb their shining abilities. Um, they come across this young girl called Snakebite Andy, who's been using her powers of persuasiveness to target dirty old men who <laughs> seem to be wanting to have it off with young girls. Instead, like during the film, this is where they meet her, um, she ends up uh, persuading a man to start... I can't remember if she cuts him or he cuts... Does she cut him or does I think he cut she himself? cuts him, she cuts but him. he just sort of sits there and cops it. That's yeah. right, yeah, yeah. She sort of hypnotises him and he's in this trance and she's like telling him what's going to happen. Yeah, like, she, yeah, yeah, she's like, you're, you know, you're not going to feel this, but when you wake up tomorrow, like, you're going to... Like, this is going to be fucking hard to explain to your wife, like why you've got these scars and cuts on your face like mm. yeah so and it kind of looks like a snake bite like it's in a v but it's got that like it did look like two little punctury yeah, yeah thing yeah. going on i just i just thought um as a character very cool the <laughs> nickname was cool it totally suited 
her as a character, even though she had this kind of innocence and like just unsuspecting, you wouldn't think that she had these abilities and had that kind of mean streak in her. I think that's what I liked most about her. I, I also like the fact that the true knot were kind of debating whether or not to kill her or to bring her into the fold. Yeah, to recruit um, her. To recruit yeah. her. Um, yeah. Yeah. But there's that debate, like, whether or not they should, um, you know, use her powers and for the better of the knot or to, you know, just eat her and be done. Um, uh, there was yeah. a term they used for her, and I can't bloody remember it now. Um, it was something like her power, they referred to her as like a... You know, like someone who can draw people in, like, yeah, and I'm bloody, really. I can't for the life of me remember mm. what the title was. They're like, she's a, we don't, we haven't had one of them in a while or whatever. So, yeah, excuse the forgetfulness, but yeah, that she, they kept her around because she had a power that, yeah, obviously the others didn't have. It was just that other piece in the puzzle to get the others in, so you could suck out that steam, that goodness. But um, I like I liked her as well. I actually liked her at the start because she was using her powers. It was in an evil way, but it was for like for the good, for the better. Like yeah. these guys Teaching are being men a lesson so that they don't do it. Yeah, like yeah. they're being sleazy and fucking dirty, and they're they're trying to take advantage of these young girls. And she's just like, "Fuck you! You're gonna remember this for the rest of your life. And every time you look in the mirror, you're gonna remember what happened." And it was like she was kind of like a you know, like a superhero in a way, like, you know, and then, yeah, joining... Still some cash on the way. <laughs> joining yeah. the, the magic crew, which I referred to them as, it starts to get a little bit more, yeah, tips that scale and she goes down the slide into the fucking, the evil, you know, protagonist or whatever mm, in mm. the film, so, mm. which was disappointing, but awesome at the same time, mm. so. Snakebite Andy gets in, introduced into the knot. Um, they decide that, you know, instead of killing her off, we're going to keep her around. We can use her abilities for the knot. Um, the next time we see the knot and Andy, uh, a ritual is about to take place. Um, Driz, you wrote down some notes about this? Yes, so when they originally killed Violet, they store them in little capsules. Um, so basically it's, it's the fear of the child and the more that they fear... They let off this this steam of their soul. They call soul. it steam, yeah. Yeah, and um, the more pain they're in, the more fear they have, the better the steam that they capture. So anyway, um, on the beach, they're trying to convert um, Snake by Andy into one of them, the knot, uh, into their group. And so she, Rose, inhales the soul of Violet and exhales into the 15-year-old poor little girl she didn't know what she was getting into um and you can hear like her heart rate it's playing in the background and it mm. accelerates and everything i found that the scene actually reminded me of bella when she was turning into a vampire in twilight <laughs> <laughs> and, and like you know heart rate and she was in pain and um you know her eyes are changing color and yeah just <laughs> it reminded me of twilight but yeah it was pretty intense just quickly on that heart rate thing, that was um, something I didn't mention before and I don't want to sidetrack too much, but yeah, Mike was actually saying they were talking about that in the Fox 5 DC interview of how they incorporated that heart rate and it was like, you know, they, they were saying to each other interview, like, fuck, after a while, you're like thinking, is that me? Like, am I fucking like, is your, like, 
you were sort of getting confused between whether it was your own heart rate ramping up and yeah but they use that as like a bit of a device to get you feeling you know a lot more sort of on edge and scared mm. too so anyway that was that thing but um it's kind of like how they use music as well just to kind of start getting that that thrill going yeah on. You, know, like, you know the suspense starts to build I, I imagine with the heart rate going and pumping that suspense in yourself starts to build as well starts to build yeah, yeah. And they're saying like when you are scared as well, like that's when, you know, like you are terrified, you can hear that heartbeat within yourself, you know. So that was a cool little device they used in that movie. But yeah, um, with that, with uh, the beach scene, yeah, that was pretty brutal. Like, and it fucking really hurt her and, you know, like they sort of just dulled it down like it was this, you know, ah, it's just a little ritual and then she ends up getting really fucked up by breathing in this steam but mm. you know obviously transforms her and it's cool to see that as well like you get introduced into how they all become or how they all become part of the knot mm. or the magical crew <laughs> and um <laughs> or the the vampire gypsies vampire the vampire gypsy. gypsies so yeah that was a really cool little eye-opener that scene on the beach um and then you who um you're saying the, the older guy what's his name oh we want to mention him. Grandpa Flick. Yeah, Grandpa Flick. Um, while watching the film, um, I noticed him straight away just because I'd watched the Adam Adams Family recently <laughs> on Stan. I uh, was just reliving some childhood memories. And yeah, it's, it's Lurch. Um, the guy, the actor who played Lurch. Um, That's weird. Yeah, I, I, I didn't... Uh, his name's uh, Carl... Oh, he's Lurch. Struction <laughs> Cannon Blumen. I don't know. He's... Uh, I think he's Norwegian. He's definitely or, Chinese, isn't it, he? Yeah, no. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, I just, um, I can't pronounce his last name, but I just, I haven't seen him in films for a long time and just, I don't know, it's like one of those serendipity moments where you're like, oh my God, I haven't, oh, yeah. oh Well, you were, you were more spot on than me. I thought he was Jaws out of fucking 007, so I was <laughs> yeah. way off. And that's, that's me, the butcher of every, every quote and actor's name and, and everything. I just fuck it up, so. Anyways, gra- uh, Grandpa Flick, he was, he's quite gaunt and... Yeah. yeah, that lurching giantness about him, like he's kind of got that sucked-in jaw and like the big eye, like yeah, just the look of him too, just fits that whole that whole crew so well. Yeah, but sorry to derail, no, 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 derail I, he, the he scene. Needed, there. He needed to mention, so I'm glad I'm glad we snuck him in there. For <laughs> yeah. sure. Then we sort of have Danny over on the side here, and uh, he, you know, after you know he's had a drunk night, he's he's sleeping with women. Um, he sort of wants to start fresh and and move to a, another town. And he bumps into a random man named Billy. Another Billy. Another Billy. If you've watched our first episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, <laughs> Billy helps. Wow. That's another sort of segue right there. Yeah, no. Billy helps uh, Danny with um, get, getting some accommodation and um, a new job. Um, so... Yeah, he, he gets a new job. I think, where, where was it? Like a nursing home or... Yeah. Hospice. Hospice, hospice. Yeah, it was yeah, a hospice. Yeah. And um, late at night and uh, he's mopping the floors and all of a sudden there's this cat there. Um, cat named Azzy. Oh, I man. Think. That's how you say it. Um, and yeah, so Azzy likes to jump on the beds of these sick people and uh, it's usually when it's their time to go to sleep. Um so yeah, Buck, do you want to? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad you touched on that that whole hospice thing because that um, 
I suppose that really touched me a bit, you know, having been around, I don't know if you guys have with your grandparents, but like you, I've been around that sort of environment in my own life in the past. And um, yeah, it's that element of just that, like just thinking about people passing away and how shit scared they are. And like, it was really cool to mm. see Danny, um, yeah, just take that, take up that role of that sort of comforter, you know, like you'd go in, like the old guy was dying and he's like, you know, I'm not scared if there's a hell, I'm just scared if there's nothing, you know, and mm. he shines into his head and he's like, it's okay, like there is something that's not just nothing and you see him straight away just go, oh, and just like sink into his bed, he's like, oh, thank you, you know, and then gets the nickname Dr. Sleep in mm. that in that whole sequence too, so... Um, I really liked it and just such a simple touch with Azzy the cat just you know just a cat that comes and jumps on your bed and uh, that's just you know and they all all the residents know when once Azzy comes onto the bed like it's time it's mm. your time and um, yeah I just thought that was a really nice touch and it I sort of now thinking about it kind of you know you've seen Danny in that troubled time in the start of the movie and how fucked up he is it sort of segues into like the new Danny like here's this guy he's off the piss the drugs stealing fighting and now he's like in a hospice being this like real you know like lifesaver to people who are about to pass away and like it sort of gives you that new like you you know the new Danny Mm. sort of unveils as well which is really cool Mm. Um, but no I, I don't know that was just sort of like a... It felt like a little break from everything in the movie. Like it was... You know, you got all the horrific shit going on with the night and then crazy sort of stuff going on with Abra. But yeah, having that... The cat and it was just sort of slight... Like it just slowed the pace down a little bit and and allowed you to sort of just take a step back and, and just focus on Danny for a little bit. But anyway, I... Apart from another scene which I mentioned, that was one of my other favourite... Bits mm. in the movie, which isn't that horrific, obviously, but um, yeah, it was just nice because I, like you know, Stephen King was saying relatability, like that made me to start to think about my grandparents and and in those times, and it is really horrible mm. to go through, even though someone's lived, like even when that old guy's like, I've had so much time to prepare for this, and like I'm fucking shitting myself, mm. like it was just yeah, it really touches. It touched me in that way with with my grandparents and um, it was a little bit too real. I think. It was I really it was real. A little bit too real. Like um, yeah, I lost my grandpa at the start of the year and um, was with him um, the whole time and yeah, just everything that poor old man was saying was just it was very real and um, yeah, it sort of touched me a little bit. But um, I just think Danny was very comforting. Like if I was in that situation. Um, that I'd want someone with like a meditation voice to shine <laughs> yeah. in on my thoughts and, you know, with anxiety and stuff like, you know, they just calm you down. It's like, shh, you know, yeah, and just calms, puts your mind at ease. Let's talk about the past and things that make you happy, like the man's wife. And, yeah, yeah. Um, then he just sort of takes his last breath and that's really sad to witness. But, you know, you see his spirit lift out of his mouth and, and that just... You know, you know that there's something beyond. I suppose, yeah, or you definitely. can make that decision. Yeah. But yeah, um, what did you think, Missy? Um, yeah, uh, it was a nice, touching scene. Um, it was nice to see that uh, 
Danny had kind of come full circle and was sort of becoming that person he always wanted to be. Um, that person his dad could never be. He sort of just... Um, and I guess, yeah, like you were saying, uh, hospices aren't the greatest of places. Once that, per, you know, that loved one is in that place, very rarely do they come out. Mm. Um, there's only one way it's going to go. Um, I think the fact that he was um, using his powers for good, um, had accepted that he had these powers as well, and was, you know, wanted to use them for something other than, you know, nothing. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, just that comforting factor, I think, is something that, yeah, I thought was really, really special. He's, he's and sort of wanted to change his life around. And mm. then I think um, his mate, Billy, um, sort of was assisting him. And he, oh, he was so kind mm. to be a random person to, you know, get him a job, accommodation, and then even taking him to AA meetings. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Well, when you see him, you know, when he steps out of the bus and Danny's looking pretty lost. And uh, Billy sees him and he's like, I know that look. Like, I just know that desperate sort of... And that, like, you you know, fuck, you're running from yourself. Gee, that's a bit of a conundrum because, like, you are, you know, you are you and you can't run from you. So, yeah, it was cool to... So, I was just thinking about it then, like... I don't know if I'm thinking too much about it, but um, having Danny be, like, the caretaker of the hospice in a way at the, during those night shifts... I don't know if it, it like just started to make me think about like Jack Torrance, you know, being the caretaker of the Overlook, and he really fucked up, like he really got drawn in. Whereas you know you see the yin and the yang with Danny, and here he is being almost like the caretaker of another building in like a sort of yeah. horrible circumstance, but yet he's he's taking on the nice role. I mean, I, I'm not saying like you know the hospice isn't haunted, like. Um, the overlook is or isn't messed up but you now that I'm thinking about it it's like well this is how you could be you know like you don't have to be this horrific person like you can take on a nice caring role you know when you are shining or when you are getting you know sort of I don't know I don't know where I'm going with that but there it just that sort of made me think of like it just makes you see that the the yin and the yang and the day and night of of the difference yeah like pushing more away from that alcoholism again and and like showing what you can be as a caretaker instead of being that negative Mm. um you know violent person so he's sort of pushing away from his dad which is Mm. yeah evident i feel like he um he sort of tries to work on himself after that experience too um with the aa meetings and that i think he wants to do better for himself because um you know locking away your inner (laughs) demons in a box and that and um they sort of jump eight years later and he stands up in the aa meeting instead of you know just sitting back and he talks about his father and being drunk and angry and you know he talks about his emotions and feelings so you see that softer side of him coming so if you want to care for someone, you got to look. Up, you got to care for yourself first. Mm. Yeah, you got to yeah. care for the carer. Yeah, sort yeah. of thing. But yeah, um, and then obviously he had the accommodation and that. What did you guys think of the chalkboard? Oh, that was <laughs> that was mad. It was just again like the cat. It's just a simple, simple way of of you know connecting. I suppose Abra and, and Danny, but I just like that. 
you know, some of the horror films we see now, it just gets really, see, like, you know, just full on with the sort of the ideas and the way that, it's just simple, like, you know, seeing writing appear on a board, it, like, it would seem almost demonic, but, you know, with Abra, you're getting friendly messages with smiley faces, and I, I don't know, I just like that introduction to be honest, between that Danny was, and Abra. That yeah. would totally scare the shit out of yeah. me if I saw Hi. <laughs> On a chalkboard in the morning when I've just moved into this house, but um, I'll, you'd be like yeah. packing your bags, oh, I'll be getting like, I'm the out fuck of here. out of there, and then Abra would be left alone, bloody messaging herself. What about you? What did you think? Um, yeah, I thought it was a really clever idea of um, sort of connecting the two characters together. Yeah. Um, it sort of seemed like uh, once he'd kind of gone full circle, and it, again, it, it seemed like he'd sort of turned himself off with his powers, like he. Didn't want to know anything about them. Once he turned them back on, he sort of opened himself up and all of a sudden him and Abra are sort of connected. Um, again, it sort of highlights that Abra, you're not alone. There are people out there that have similar gifts to what you've got. And I guess for uh, someone like Danny, uh, yeah, it's just like, yeah, there's other people out there that have the exact same sort of abilities. Yeah. Uh, you're not alone in the world. Like, yeah, yeah I, yeah. I liked it. I thought it was a really cool way of introducing and just another way for them to sort of communicate and but never really meet this that's still that sort of yeah uh, that mystery anonymity between yeah. am I saying that prop yeah oh, I don't man don't ask me yeah. I'm horrible <laughs> but like you never quite I make they, up words <laughs> they don't know who they are mm. you, you never know who's behind the yeah. behind the blackboard but there's still that kind of like I don't know fun play kind of yeah. Well, he says he even says my pay, uh, pen pal. Mm. Yeah, like yeah. he refers her to yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and being a chalkboard too, in like a, a an age in a world where it's all iPads and tablets and Android this and whatever, it's kind of you you're kicking it old school with a bit of chalk, like and and I suppose yeah. You, yeah, go on, uh, other, go on can... other chalk days. There's no yeah. more chalk. <laughs> remember, like I remember drawing on the pavement, you know, when you were a kid with the chalk and that. So it kind of. If you're a viewer of our age or whatever, you sort of viewer can relate to that too. Mm. You, you mm. know, and you remember chalkboard at school and like nails down a chalkboard, all those things. But yeah, um, no, like I really a, a liked real it. Kids' way of communicating, I suppose, yeah. like using yeah. drawing yeah, totally. or yeah. something like that. But I thought it was a little bit different because um, when um, Dick is talking to Danny, it's usually telepathically, like. You know, and this was a different way of communicating. Mm. So I thought that was interesting. Mm. Yeah. Can't you figure out that the episode's ended? Come on, scram! Get out of here doing something useful with your life for once, why don't you? Oh, 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 don't mind him, he's a bit of an asshole. This is Santa Claus here, just to let you know that you've been listening to part one of episode two, Dr. Sleep. Tune in later on this week when Hateful Horror releases the second part. Until then, have a horrifically merry Christmas. Ho, 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 ho.